Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the 111th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. Today we've got Maggie Kiley on. She's a director who made the transition from acting, then quickly into feature filmmaking, and now she's directing some of the coolest genre TV out there. Riverdale, The New Sabrina Show, 911, Horror Story, Story. Scream Queens. Impulse, Night Flyers from George R. R. Martin for crying out loud. We get into all of it. It's all so exciting. She's an incredible guest. It's got a ton of craft. It's a great break in story. And it's also, like Maggie's interesting because she's a genre director working in TV, but also with a specialty in acting. Her wheelhouse is really kind of in performance. So it's a great mixture of tone, performance, and then style all in one. Yeah. But before we start talking to Maggie... Matt, what have you been working on lately? Yeah, so um, I'm winding down that gig that I've been working on for the last couple months, and our biggest shoot to date was just this weekend. I don't think I've told you much about it, Oren. The flash mob. We did a flash mob, and it was a huge musical number that culminated in a proposal at the end. What? Yeah. Um, Like a proposal to add another bathroom to the uh, accounting floor? Yeah, surprise. Building? Yeah. No, no, I, uh, a wedding, a wedding game, proposal. A wedding proposal. It was really beautiful. Did she say um, yes or she he did, say yes? She said yes. Um, and we all kind of had a hunch that she would. Right? <laughs> like, but uh, this sort of production together, if we're not pretty confident that everything's going to go I mean, well. but you know it's a way better story if she said no. I mean, the video would have gone super viral <laughs> if she said no. Right. But uh, the thing I wanted to talk about was that it was a cool opportunity to do a big musical number. Like very early on, we tried to steer it away from like, we're all in a mall and we're doing a funny dance together and this is crazy into something a little more Broadway basically. And so we'd weaved all of these different elements of their relationship into things and we really tried to make it so that it would heighten. And it was a blast. It was like really special. We had a you know, a jib for the day, a steady cam operator, and kind of like 
spent the whole day rehearsing and kind of getting pieces of like inserts and things like that, the stuff that you couldn't do on the the real pass. But then, you know, more or less you have to do it right in one. So we had a bunch of cameras pointed at it, 10 GoPros, five cameras, the jib, the steady cam, all to kind of coordinate the surprise. And it was like a rush. And would you, like, did you have most of your cameras kind of pointing like in the same direction? Was there any thought to not catching other cameras? Um, we were okay with catching other cameras, uh, partially because it's like unavoidable and also makes it feel like a little more real. It needs to be apparent that this is all happening in real time, which is fun. Um, but I did try to stay out of those shots as much as I could. So we'll get like little pieces, I imagine, here and there. But for the most part, it'll be pretty clean. And how many people were dancing? 18. 18, 18. So 18 people were dancing plus a moving vehicle, plus all of my cameras. Oh, cool. And then you had a choreographer. We had a choreographer. You worked with a choreographer on like how to present the dance to camera? or um, A little bit of that. that. I think it was a really... Uh, fulfilling sort of collaboration actually because I had a a handful of producers some of whom kind of specialized in dance who were like taking care of hiring all of the dancers and performers and things like that and who had sourced the the choreographer and the choreographer kind of like took the raw clay of the idea and the space and kind of how I wanted the flow to feel and then really kind of made it her own and then workshopped it with all of the dancers and then you know, we rehearsed in the space and we kind of walked through like, oh, we need a little bit more time here, a little time there. She re-edited the music so that it would work for the geography of the space a little bit. It was a really awesome experience basically and was was not unlike collaborating with like a fight choreographer or another sort of, um, you know, specialist. That's awesome. Yeah, I, um, you know, John Chu, mm-hmm. he has done like a ton of like dance videos and he did Step Up and League of Extraordinary Dancers. He is on my list of uh, dream guests actually. I I literally had been emailing friends. He's been visiting you in your dreams? Well, we went to school together. I was a PA on his thesis film. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah, he's like super inspirational in terms of how to shoot dancing Mm because shooting dancing is just like really hard. You have to be wide and clear and like the, you know, if you have 18 people standing next to each other, then you have a lot of extra space above and below them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I really want to do more dancing stuff. I haven't done that much of it, but it's like, it, you know, it's, I don't think it's as easy as people think it is. It's not that easy. And also it is even more fun than you think. It's like a, it's such a treat to do. Um, and everybody's in a great mood all the time, you know, like, yeah. Jazz hands all over the yeah, place. Jazz hands and pop music and stuff. It was it was a blast. So I uh, can't wait for that video to come out. Cool. That sounds awesome. Can't wait to see it. Um, before we get to Maggie Kylie, we're just gonna chat about our Patreon for one second. We have a Patreon. You can check it out at patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. We've already had actually a bunch of people uh, join up, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. and yeah, just something that helps us make this podcast, keep it alive. We have a producer, we have editors, we have a webmaster and we're trying to hopefully get everyone paid and also just be putting this podcast out on a, on the regular schedule. You know, it's kind of gone up in priority for us. So we are wanted to be very serious. So yeah, we're so excited about the Patreon. All this money is uh, really helping the show grow and be consistent and be the thing that um, you guys can count on week in and week out. 
um, without it taking over our lives. Because as you, I'm sure, have noticed, when Oren or I get super busy, things get a little uh, less consistent. So this money kind of helps make sure that everything runs on time. So thanks, everyone, for your continued support. Uh, help us out. Tell a friend. And uh, if you can't, that's okay, too. Thanks so much. Before we get into our interview with Maggie Kylie, we wanted to just define a term real quick because she mentions it a lot during the podcast and we talk a lot about the idea of tone meetings. And in case you don't know what a tone meeting is, it's usually a meeting between the writers of a show and the director of the episode. And the sh- sh- the showrunner, most importantly. Right. right the yeah. showrunner, I guess, th- thinking of the showrunner as the writer of the show. Sure, sure. Yeah. The showrunners um, defining the tone of each scene. So they literally sit with the director, go scene by scene and say, this is why we wrote the scene. This is what we want the scene to impart. And this is, she should be happy that she's doing this, not sad, or she should be excited or this. Right. The conflict it just kind of go through this. beat by beat and explain like, this is what we were thinking. It's kind of the stuff that frankly, if they were directing the episode, they wouldn't have to relay, but just to kind of make sure that everyone's on the same page before they go into production. Right. And since TV is really mostly a writer's medium and the directors are guests, uh, the, the writers and the showrunners are really the ones that are running the tone of the show. And they just want to make sure that you don't mess it up as a director. It's kind of the last big collaborative meeting for the showrunner and director to get on the same page. Yep. Cool. So that's that. Yep. Enjoy the interview. Now you know. Maggie Kylie, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, we've been trying to schedule you for a long time, but you've been (laughs) off shooting a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I've been away a lot, but I'm here now, which is good. Wonderful. Well, welcome. Thanks. Um, Give can we let's kick it off with just a quick little bio of like who you are, what you do, what's your overall philosophy of filmmaking, and um, insight into your true character. Just kind of (laughs) just in 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 one one sentence sentence. and your biggest (laughs) your biggest secret. Yeah, yeah. So easy. Uh, Thank you for. uh, let's see. I, I'm uh, Maggie Kiley. I started uh, my career as an actress in New York, transitioned into directing when I moved to L.A., uh, have made a few independent features. And in the last two years, I've been directing a lot of TV, a bunch mm-hmm. of shows uh, for Ryan Murphy. And uh, I just did a, a Riverdale. I'm about to do a new show for that same showrunner. Wait. Oh, can you say what the new show is? Yeah, it's a... Uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, oh, that's yeah, that's for excellent. Netflix. It's so funny, um, not to go on a Riverdale tangent immediately, but uh, I, one of my favorite costume designers and I were talking about how much we love that show. Yeah. And she was like, you know Sabrina is in the Archie universe, right? And I was like, immediately we were like, oh, they're definitely going to do like a craft like a cult style dark, spin-off. Dark, yeah, way Wait, dark. Wait, is Sabrina, so awesome. like the Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Yeah. Is that Sabrina? Yeah, yeah, but it's a much darker interpretation. Well, that's too bad because you, at this very table, have a person that was on the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I was, a, I was an extra. Oh. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> was walking like, through the hallway when a leprechaun made a rainbow appear in the middle of our high school. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to share in the first minute. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's actually how I like got into like loving filmmaking is I was an extra. First, I went to UCLA. I was studying engineering. I just wanted to like meet, you know, see celebrities. And I heard you can be an extra on TV shows. And that was the first. Actually, that was the second one I did. First one was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, wow. Um, But the thing I learned on Sabrina was that 
Melissa Joan, Joan Hart, Hart yeah. who was the, her mom was the, uh, the showrunner. Oh. And then oh, she gave that. her the show for her birthday, like for her 18th birthday. Or something. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, and on set, she was, um, you know, I just knew her as this like lovable high school kid. She was probably like 20 something by the time I was on the show, but she was like swearing a lot. And uh, I was like, oh my God. You're so <laughs> yeah, you're I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. And also, I saw the woman that plays the aunt. Um, she, I think she hosted Biggest Loser. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, uh, uh, what's her name? Shoot. Really kind of lovable like, actress. Yeah, and she's a comedian. Yeah. Uh, and she was one of the, well, the aunts. And right. I would, the first time I saw her in the hallway, she like looked so familiar to me. I was like, hey. Um, <laughs> and she just looked at me like I was crazy. Um, Did you do so, like a bunch of episodes? Like no, just, just that one. one, just that leprechaun one. Yeah, but the last thing I'll say about me, and then we'll go back to Maggie, is that... Uh, I walked by this room and I don't know if you remember, but there's this like black cat on that show. Yeah. And this was like way pre-CG animals and yeah, stuff. Yeah, It's like a It's like before Jurassic Park came out. Like or like cat. Right, yeah. <laughs> right after, yeah. So there were, they have like a hundred cats on the wall of like all, in all these different poses that they would use. And I was like that being, like the behind the scenes is what like really turned me on to filmmaking because I found like I was, you know, I was a fan of TV and movies just like anyone else. But I was was like fascinated by you know a room full of like cats in different poses and free food and all this like amazing so stuff. Is yeah. there a cat in the Sabrina reboot? Well, you probably can't say. I mean, I it's can't. I think it's public now that oh. yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. But that's like all I can say. Guys. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we'll stop there. Yeah. Okay. You can't tell us the but I start a week, you know, a week from tomorrow. Oh, that's so, so exciting! So. Oh, yeah. so I'm doing exciting. two also, which really? is fun. Oh, yeah. Cool. Which episodes? Five and eight. Wow. Oh, cool. And you're shooting them back to back. Uh, no, I have a little break in between. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they shoot them in order? Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And when you say you start next week, or when did you say you start? In a couple weeks? Uh, a, a week from tomorrow, I fly to Vancouver, and then I start prep. And usually have seven days of prep and then eight days to shoot. And that's like your first day that you're doing any work is on that day that you get to Vancouver? It depends. I mean, all the shows are different. You know, you don't. Uh, ideally, like you'll have a script before you get up there and you'll have watched the pilot or and read all the scripts leading up to yours. First season shows, which I've done the last few, have been that. It's mm-hmm. like a little... Right, they're you know, still kind of catching up a little bit. Yeah, and it's you not, don't always get yeah. every... You usually have your script by the time you land. Um, but I've done shows in L.A. recently where I, I didn't have a script until late in prep. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Did you have like an outline or you knew like kind of where, yeah, what, lo- locations you know. list or anything? Um, yeah, kind of. I did the show 911, which is the oh, yeah. Ryan's new uh, emergency responder. So I knew that there would be, um, I knew like a couple of the events, uh, but I didn't have, yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. You know, you learn that you can like, do it with a lot less prep than you think you need. Yeah. So I guess my question is like, are you just trying to prep what you can? And and if so, what can you prep when you don't have a script? Like what can, are you trying to glean information from people here and there? Or is it just that you condense most of your prep into a shorter period of time? I think the biggest thing, you know, coming out of like making your own movies, when you write a script or even if it's something you didn't write, from the beginning, you have like a picture in your head of how you're going to shoot it, you know, and everybody has a certain style or a way that you move the camera. Um, And a lot of times in TV, it's like not 
you know, you're coming at it sort of second. So I find for me, I have to do like a deep dive into the the visuals of the show and the tone of the show and like just kind of take a bath in it so that I'm like just populating my brain with stills and references and anything that feels like it could live, you know, in that show so that when I start my shot lists and my boards and all those things, I'm like pulling from that, you know, palette in a way. Are there any specific tools that you use when you're kind of doing that? Are you like a Pinterest person? Are you just taking notes? What What's yeah, that process like? Um, I use Pages, mm-hmm. a very advanced <laughs> program. <laughs> uh, and I just drag images. I get a lot from Film Grab. I mean, I do, um, you know, just searches for images or I'll. Film Grab is a great site mm-hmm. because you can go by director or DP or vibe or. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll also just do photographers, you know, if oh, that feels cool. right. Yeah. Or I'll. Um, art, you know, anything sure. um, weird, like I, I'm uh, attached to a feature and sort of the theme of it has to do with the relationship between a mother and a son. There's this crazy book, Love You Forever. So I have like an image of the book on there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's anything that you can look at, you know, when you're on set and go like, oh yeah, like, oh, this, this is a scene like that aspect. reminds yeah. me of this. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, a funny, we were talking before we started rolling about specific tips and one that Payman, um, who we just had on a couple episodes ago, he will, when he's starting a new show, he'll watch um, every episode of that show and then do a shot list from an existing episode. Mm. So that they know the vo- he knows the vocabulary of the show, and I thought, boy, that's yeah. really smart. Yeah, a lot of, of like- time on his hands that guy. Yeah, that's a lot <laughs> yeah, of time, sure, sure. guys. I bet maybe I he skips an episode here or there. But the the shot list thing yeah. is interesting because I think so much of the job is like stepping into someone else's world. Yeah, and it's easy to be like, oh well, I would do it this way, or yeah. like these are the the tricks in my bag. Um, but knowing that maybe a show doesn't do it that way yeah. is interesting. I mean, a lot, I feel like, too, some of the shows I've done, cable, I think they, especially when they're like, oh, we're hiring an indie filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know, they they will support you in, like, bringing your own vibe. I think it's a great tool is to, like, if there's a producing director, the showrunner, if the showrunner is shot savvy, which some of them are and some of them aren't, mm-hmm. just to sit and be like, what about this? Or what about a snap zoom? Or what about high mm-hmm. angle this? Or I love... You know, I'll say I love a slow push in master and, mm-hmm. you know, they'll instantly be like, not our show or they'll uh-huh. be like, not our love, show. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is the vocabulary, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? That's really funny. Are you yeah. ever afraid to pitch something like, do you ever feel like, oh, what if I, like, I have this great idea, like, we're going to do these, like, connecting pans from scene to scene, like two characters are on the phone, but instead of cutting back and forth, we're going to pan back and forth or something. Um, are you afraid to, like come pitch that idea to the showrunner and if they hate it that they might like fire you like is there ever yeah. or, or lose faith in you <laughs> maybe? Yeah, yeah 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 totally um I mean I have like been a super good listener from especially early in prep just like listen 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 and any because if you're open to being spoken to I feel like anybody will pull you into their office and be like all right you know so-and-so can be a real asshole right, blah, blah, right. Blah. Yeah, they and love so you just that. like they take, love they it do. Yeah. they do <laughs> love it <laughs> she's horrible yeah. don't even yeah, yeah. um but but so if the showrunner really feels like they have your ear um yeah I, I listen for a while and then I mean it's 
funny. You don't, unless it requires some big piece of gear that you have to plan for, you don't always have to like give it all away at, mm-hmm. at the beginning. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, you could hold a transition idea and then play with it in your edit and your edit editor can be a big sort of guide for you in terms mm-hmm. of like, uh, they're never going to go for it or no, that's cool. Like, let's, let's try it. But yeah, you're always afraid that someone's going to. Well, I guess maybe just to rewind that question a little bit, to get the job, do you ever have to pitch an idea or how you want to shoot? Like, do you ever, in TV, is there ever a situation where you're given like a script or an outline or you're like, we're going to give you the episode where Sabrina goes to prom or something um, and you have to come present like any sort of idea before you get the job or is it always you get the job first and then you start talking about how to shoot it? Mostly that. I mean, for me, because the last movie I did was in the genre space, it helped me tremendously to kind of land in television and be considered for things that have more action and more genre Mm -hmm. and then still get like a dramedy thing. Um, I know friends who, you know, getting onto a bigger show or something that has genre, it's harder if you haven't, if you have a sample of something that's, you know, feels scary or feels heightened or feels super cinematic and in a way. Um, but but I think in those initial meetings before you get the job, I think it's important to like articulate the experiences that like line up for that particular show, mm. you know. Cause so you're pitching more you than, pitching your, you, than a specific idea. Hoping they've seen your stuff, but if they haven't, you can be like, like in that episode of Blah Blah when I did right. the crazy car chase and I had to use six cameras and a rig on a skateboard and, you know, and then they're like, oh, right, you know. You're like, cool, I'm into skating, yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. yeah. Meg, Meg is Skater a skater Yeah, I mean, I, you know. Person. Awesome. Yeah. Um, wait, um, okay, so have, now, well, sorry. You've got a good <laughs> question, but I, I want to know, have you ever literally used a skateboard rig? No, but I've definitely done like wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. You know, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't like, oh, done is a, this a good trick that we don't know yet. No, yeah. I haven't done that, but I did uh I ha- I did this show called Impulse that Doug, it's Doug Lyman's mm-hmm. company. It's ba- it's sort of like the re envisioning of that movie Jumper. Yeah. Jumper. Uh, Jumper. Yeah, Jumper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and one of the characters is in a wheelchair and I I really wanted the camera to be on the wheelchair, but in a certain way. So they had to build a whole, you know, thing. Yeah, awesome yeah. rig for yeah. it. Awesome. And then they're they like, uh, okay, Maggie, you have 10 minutes left <laughs> yeah. to shoot this And scene. you have $2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but here's yeah. your rig. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no skateboard. No. Um, now that we jumped straight into it, let's rewind a little bit to when you moved to LA. When, how many years ago was that? Uh, nine. And you hadn't directed before then? Nope. I was an actor. And so how did you transition into directing? Did you go to film school or anything? Uh, yeah, yes, gosh. Well, in New York, I'm part of uh, an off-Broadway theater company, The Atlantic, which Bill Macy and David Mamet founded. And part of like being in that acting ensemble, you teach class. So mm-hmm. I taught film acting starting from when I was like 21 in a mm-hmm. weird sort of fell into the job. And that was all really about like adjusting actors and mm-hmm. shooting them and thinking about like how to make it different. And so when I first got to LA and um, auditioned for every pilot there was that year, uh, one of my former students who was living in Silver Lake said, oh, hey, I want to make a short film. I think you should direct it because you're great mm-hmm. with performance. And I was like, what? I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And she was like, no, I think you'd be good. And 
I was so uh, tired of going in and sitting in a room and being one of a million mm-hmm. people who all looked the same, all had brown hair. and Yeah, it's hard to yeah. compare. Like You're, like, oh, you're great at your, th- your craft, you've been practicing forever, and then literally you're put in a room with 12 other versions of you. Yeah. And like they're all kind of like talking. You can overhear the other person in the yeah. audition. It's pretty it's rough. rough. And then yeah. like they're laughing and like palling around with the casting oh, director. Yeah. And then you have to go. They leave and you're yeah. like, oh, God, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. over. It's the first time I've been in this office. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so when this opportunity came about, I thought, all right, let me lean into this and see what happens. And I just really, really loved it. You know, I really felt... Um, I loved the camera, moving the camera, learning how I had a, like used a, a big crane shot at the end of that. Like right away, got, got into gear and. Uh, and and so, did your did this student of yours pay for it or how yeah, did you make it? She financed it. I mean, it was a teeny thing. Her husband shot it, um, but yeah, it was enough to kind of like wake up this little piece of my head that was like, oh, finally we can do something. Um, and then I did, I, I did the AFI directing workshop for women. Oh, awesome. So that was how I, uh, just flipped. I made a short film and I had just acted in a play, uh, with Jesse Eisenberg in New York. And so I called, it was like before social network after zombie land. And I was like, Hey, will you come and do this thing? I want to like, I'm in this program. And, and, uh, so he was in it. And then that short was a nice like launch launch pad for me. And it was something you wrote too? Uh, no, well, I co-wrote it. Matthew Mullen uh, wrote it, had the original idea, and then we like developed it together. And when you applied to the, that program, do you apply with the script? Like, yeah. The project? Which was super hard. I mean, I really, coming out of acting and coming out of New York, I knew a lot of playwrights, mm-hmm. didn't know any screenwriters, hadn't really written. Um, you know, that program, though, you have to raise all the money for for your you know show and you have to you know really put yourself into it you know and not it's quite um i mean it's really been pumping out a lot of like successful talented people but i'm curious like how hard it is to get in I mean, I know, I know a lot of people that haven't gotten in. I yeah. think the answer is super duper. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know how I got in. Now I'm like, on that's, I've helped certain years being on the selection committee, and I'm like, oh my God, I never would have gotten yeah. in. Uh, well, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but isn't there, they kind of have a mandate of um, picking people who are like about to break, right? Like are going to be, like they're trying to take people who are poised for success and just kind of give them that extra little push. I into think so. Giant careers. Yeah, right? I mean, I think it's changed in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Certainly, when I was there, which was in two thousand nine, ten. Um, I mean, I I had had a career as an actress. I'd mm-hmm. been on in you know I'd been on Law and Order, SVU. You guys sure. were you on I mean, Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Though? No, I wasn't in the background <laughs> in the Leprechaun scene. Hey, uh, I was the foreground. You know, where I was looking from. That's true. Can you give us your surprise today, sorry? No, no, sorry. Um, you know, my Volkswagen commercials, all those things had added up to, but they do, they, they look at you sort of not necessarily taking someone who's been directing for 10 years, but like I'd been acting for 10 mm-hmm. years. And so I had professional experience, but I didn't really have directing experience. Right, right. But you could call Jesse Eisenberg, right? Exactly. You know, so that yeah. that's kind of that sweet spot. I think. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But he wasn't attached to your short when you like applied to no. the workshop. But no. you had this other short that you could show them. Yeah, which 
that crane shot at the end, I think, was one of the pieces <laughs> sure. that they were like, oh, you know, there's something in there. Like yeah. to think big or appreciate scope. Yeah, like, yeah, wants to like look down on something. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. So you finished that and then what, what happened with that short? Uh, really quickly made it into a feature, had like very hungry uh, produced, I mean, it, it won an award at Tribeca and Palm Springs and it had a nice mm-hmm. life. And I think the, um, the tone of it at that time, it was a relationship story. It all took place in a hallway. Chase Irvin, who's a DP who is working a lot late. He shot some of the lemonade video last mm-hmm. year and he's done a lot of cool stuff. He's like, was an amazing collaborator. And so we, uh, developed that into a feature, raised, um, a bunch of money lost a bunch of money uh like can you, you left it in a car that uh, got like into? weird some weird like some drama okay, okay. um i think that's it's pretty yeah pretty much to be expected yeah but went from being like a decent indie you know like mm-hmm. a million dollar budget to being much less and i was pregnant with my second kid and we were like what are we doing and are we gonna make this movie the movie's gonna go away what's gonna happen we pushed pushed it I had my baby, and then I went to New York and shot the baby with the witch. Shot the baby. <laughs> <laughs> shot the baby, you guys. Oh, hey. Um, That's why I have no. two babies. <laughs> shot um, the movie with the baby. And what, how old was your baby at that two, time? Two months. Oh, wow. Rock and roll. I was just That's telling hardcore. the story yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Please tell us about that. I'm so curious. Um, you know, second kid. <laughs> so I think uh, a little more confident around like knowing what that, those first few months are like really wanting to like make my first feature and had a cat, had Alice and Janney attached, had Rose MacGyver and Chris Lowell and this great group and sort of the energy behind it, these great producers. Um, I didn't want to like push it off for another year. I mean, it's so hard, you guys know, yeah. for movies to come together and they come together, they fall apart, they come together, they fall apart. And I thought, God, if he's such a good sleeper mm-hmm. and it's this, it's an 18 day shoot It'll be really hard, mm-hmm. but but it's eighteen days, and he right? and at two yeah. months they're so baby baby they don't he, you know yeah. at one he's like it, it's totally right. different so yeah I, I I mean it's hard to go make a movie with a baby and a kid at home it's hard to shoot any but it's any any career with children I think can be hard you have to get up early you have to right. go out of town or not go out of town it's you have your to sleep deprived you have to pack their snacks you um, know. so did your husband go with you to the shoot or no so my daughter was five okay. and he stayed in LA with Molly and I went with Jack and a nanny awesome friend assistant mm-hmm. milk carrier basically <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> there was but- a lot of pumping um, and all that I had a very young awesome crew you know, in their early twenties, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, having a baby's awesome!" Oh, cool, yeah. you know, because you just <laughs> yeah, yeah. like be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. I and I guess I hadn't thought about it, but a person who is there to help you, like, kind of as a personal assistant, they're running your life anyway. Like, yeah, in a I mean, weird she's way, a friend. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I don't want to say personal. Assistant, you also have to trust sorry. them to but keep yeah. your kid alive and stuff like that. Well, yeah, because yeah. she'd have to bring, and we shot all. I mean, it was crazy. We shot all over the place, and so she'd have to bring him to set. Mm-hmm. I'd nurse. He'd take. She'd take him back with milk. I mean, it was just. You know, sounds like yeah. a cool documentary. Yeah, it sounds yeah. incredible. A short doc. Yeah, yeah, a short doc. I guess what I'm trying to say is that 
filmmaking is such a regimented part of your life that like the people that you're working with are already integrated into your life totally. so much in the same way that like a person who's helping to raise your child is kind of all part of that system. They're still obviously different, but like you know, there. But there are small coincidences where it's almost more convenient mm-hmm. in narrow, narrow ways. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, or am I being stupid? No, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's also the you know, tiny movies are these. It's like a huge labor of love for everybody, mm-hmm. and I think for them to see like, wow, that's so important for her to make this movie. She's like doing it right after having this kid and the kids here and everybody's trying to make it work. And also like nobody could complain about being tired, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, you guys, (laughs) what time did I get up this morning? Um, yeah. yeah. And then it was cool too. Cause then when I came back and I was editing, it was, he was still at this sort of newbie, Mm -hmm. you know, phase. And then once the movie was completed, I was able to, you know, be around and, you know, figure it out. Yeah. Um, we should have asked at the very beginning, but what's the name of the movie? Oh, um, that's called Brightest Star. Brightest Star. Yeah. It was called Light Years, which is a way better title, but so often they make you change. Mm-hmm. Was it the, because there was another movie with the same title? No, because of the alphabet, you guys. Because yeah. when they oh, put them up on SVOD, sure. it's like they perform better yeah. if they're earlier in the alphabet. I've made six movies called Aardvark. Yeah. One through seven. Yeah. Five was horrible. Yeah. Skip that one, everyone. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. We talk a lot on the podcast about how I think there's this misconception when you're like young and you move to LA that like if you have to stay single so that you can like work all the time, you know? And I think like you learn hopefully fast that like if you're married or you have someone that's there for you, like in the bad times or the hard times also, in the good times, it's like kind of easier. And I think you bring more to your storytelling because I think you have like a rich, crazy life, you know. It is funny. I've noticed, I mean, I'm sure everyone's noticed this, but like when you're in your early 20s, you pitch these, you know, you come up with these stories about people partying and sleeping with each other. And when you're in your 30s, it's like about having kids and a family and unhappy, you know, like marriages, making marriages work and all that stuff. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's in, like I feel like I've been married for a while and stuff. I wonder if I could still make that like party movie, you know? Oh, I know. Oh. Well, I because I keep getting hired to do a lot of YA, you know, Riverdale right. sure. and that, yeah. stories, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I think I'm still like in high school a little bit because it feels it comes very naturally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I wonder if do you ever think like she's just overreacting? She just you know he just yeah. didn't text her back. Yeah, of relax. course, <laughs> totally. Um, so how did you attach Alice and Janney and uh, that whole cast to your movie? Um, I mean, I think one of the great benefits for me having come up as an actor in New York and being in a big, like the theater community there and just having a lot of support in that way. And uh, I also think Jesse being in my first short showed that I was comfortable working with talent like that. Uh, but... Allison was interesting because Chris Lowell, who who he's on Glow now, he's um, a really lovely actor. He was in the help with Allison, so he had the relationship. Um, and I knew her manager. I mean, we, it was a, it was like a three day, you know, obligation. Um, and she loved the script and wanted, to, you know, was happy to come and work for Chris. And it's interesting how 
those connections just start building because the next film that I made, uh, Bill Macy starred in that and he was someone I had, is a mentor of mine and I've known him forever and I wrote the part for him. Um, and then Brittany Snow had the lead in that and then she later when I went to cast Anna Camp in my next movie, like they spoke and, you know, everybody knows each other. So. Right. I guess it just seems hard to break into. I mean. Yeah. So, well, just to get into the weeds a little bit. So you, you know, um, you know, her manager, Allison Janney's manager, and you have a script, like a full finished feature. Do you have like a lookbook or like a treatment or like, how do you, are there any baby steps that you take between like, Hey, I want Allison Janney in my movie and sending the script to her manager? I hadn't, I've never shared lookbook stuff with um, talent at that point, like trying to just get them them to attach. I mean, I will say, I mean, that movie was put together in 2011 and then I put together two other movies after that. And, and now I'm putting together, not me, I'm working on something that's coming together. And I think the landscape has changed quite a bit. I feel like everyone's sort of up on the idea of like, oh, they want to attach you and then go get the money and then come back. So I think there's, I think at that point it was, it was like, oh, all right. But with Allison, we were already financed and like ready to go. So it was a little, um, closer. I mean, I, I've found that it helps if you have either a great casting director or a great, agent at one of the agents, like somebody out there who has some real legit cred who can like, uh, vouch for you. Um, someone who can say like two sentences about blah, blah, filmmaker adjusted X, Y, Z and something. But you have to give them that ammo, right? You totally do. Yeah. I mean, I I say that to, you know, younger directors I'm mentoring all the time. It's like, if you're going to email the person and say, Hey, I'd love to meet or Can we this or let's, can I pick your brain? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. I've heard that so many times. But if you can say, I just graduated from the something program or my feature screenplay just was a finalist at this thing. It's like those sound bites like land in a, in a strong way. And and the point is that like in the case of this mentorship thing, right? Like because that's just a casual thing. They're just like, hey, I want to go to coffee with you. But yeah. you kind of respond to like signs that they're serious or that they're accomplished or yeah, what, or that what there's is it? A, th- that there's a point to th- the meeting. Mm. Like um, I really, uh, I see you've made a transition from film to television in the last two years and I've completed th- this many film projects and I've met at Fox. I've been a finalist for this program and this program. I know you went to that program. I'd love to uh-huh. hear, you know, so it's just, it's, it's right. just a Either little. being specific or I think like a lot of times when you're new, you're pitching, like you're saying like, hey, can you do me a favor and meet with me? And it should be maybe a little bit more like, hey, I've got a lot of things to share and you're yeah. an interesting person. Let's like make a connection. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I was like relentless in my, mm-hmm. in my journey to becoming a filmmaker, reaching out to people, asking for favors, asking, I mean, asking Macy to like attach himself to my script before I had any money. It's like, you know, you have to put yourself out there in a way. I just think you have to be really thoughtful in how you're doing it. Well, I mean, I think there's obvious evidence of like, you had done a couple shorts before you asked your mentor to be in your movie, right? Like that's an obvious example. And she did a feature. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And I had a whole script, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and you wrote the part for him. Yeah. Which that's what and I tell I, every like, actor. I titled it Bill also, which <laughs> when we when I got to shooting, like we were just about to shoot, he was like, are we really going to call him Bill? And I was like, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it stuck. Find a place. Oh, do, yeah. his, do his friends call him Macy? Uh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> just because you referred yeah. to him as that. I guess. I think so. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of called him that. Mace. 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 I think the mace. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, circling back on this, um, the the mentorship, the coffee thing, because I think the people go to coffee with all. We talk about this on the show all the time because it's a thing that feels um, strange at first. You know, like you you don't want to like waste someone's time. But I feel like I, what I'm hearing really is like the specificity of the meeting is just about the way in which you can help someone, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just like you're friends with my you know, neighbor or whatever, we should meet. It's like, no, these are the ways in which I can inform and help your career grow. Yeah, right? it's like, don't c- come to me if you're just at the point of like, oh, I'm so frustrated, I can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> you know, like I, I've, I know those, like sure. I've had those conversations with friends and, you know, that's fine. But it's like, if you're going to reach out to someone who's maybe a little further along than mm-hmm. you or someone who has access to something or, a, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I just, I think, I think it's really smart to invest and engage in the relationship. Yeah. If you can do it. Yeah. Well, I'm curious as a director, cause I feel like as a writer, you have those relationships and you can be like, Hey, here, I wrote this script. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, what do you think as a director? How do you cultivate those relationships or like how make them grow? Do you say like, by the way, I directed this thing that you should check out or... Yeah, I mean, I'll do to anybody, to, to studio executives I've met or, you know, I'll do a, a I mean, I don't do those formal uh, male chimp things or anything. Sure, sure. Yeah. I get some of those sometimes, <laughs> but I'll just do an email of, hey, since we last spoke, my episode of Something Something aired, I'm going over here to do this new show and um, the show I just did while I was out of town, I did a... George R. R. Martin's new sci-fi Netflix thing, which is like a, ha- a haunted spaceship. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wait, is that when does that come out? That comes out in uh, no November or October, I think. Um, it's called Night Flyers. It's his. It's a novella he wrote. Obviously, he wrote it. Um, he and typed it at the Oscars, right? Yeah. No, it's way. It's like before. It's old? Yeah. Mm. Um. And yeah, it's a, it's sci-fi and Netflix, and it's shot um, in Ireland. Oh wow! Yeah. And you did a few episodes. I did one episode. Oh cool! How many episodes yeah. are there? Ten. Cool. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. So, man, I feel like so many questions. Let, yeah. Let's rewind for a second back to you. Just finished your second movie with Mace the Mace. Yep. Character named Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened with that? You still hadn't done TV. I still hadn't done TV. And you're um, getting p- these things financed through, like, how are you you're making a living from getting, like, are you I'm doing I'm not making side a gigs? lot of money on these movies. Yeah, I'm teaching, I'm coaching, mm-hmm. I'm uh, occasionally acting, like, if something comes my way, but um, no, not like just like. <laughs> are you directing any small things, like, in between commercials or branded nope. videos or? Digital nope. stuff. No, I um after 
I feel like after maybe my third movie, I started doing like a, some digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And all, I mean, all along the way, I was shadowing and call, again, like calling people I know with shows and like just trying to kind of get, get in there. But it was really hard to break into television. Um, and do you think shadowing was like how many times did you shadow? Like 50 or like five? No, like f- between five and 10, I'd mm-hmm. say. Did you ever end up directing for any of the shows you shadowed on? Yes. Um, I mean, really for me, the person who made all the difference was Ryan Murphy. Sure. I mean, he, he when he launched, launched his Half Foundation, I was actually the first person that he took in. And uh, I almost didn't go for the interview because I was so frustrated with the fact that I had to do another mm-hmm. program. Like mm-hmm. at this point I'd made three features. They'd all been released. They all had with movie stars. name talent. Yeah. yeah. I directed a couple shorts and a digital series for super deluxe where I did the pilot in the first four, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, but like done some stuff. Yeah, yeah. What was that series called? Um, caring. Cool. Yeah. Is that still up? This is the it's, new Super um, Deluxe, right? Yeah, it is the new Super Deluxe. It's up. It's not on there. It's at caringseries.com. Mm-hmm. It premiered at the LA Film Festival. Oh, it's cool. Mickey Sumner. Uh, it's a. It's fun. It's, yeah. it's a, it all takes place in Silver Lake. It's sort of like a messy parenting. Yeah. I hey, that's I've my life. I've seen this. Yeah, moms yeah. and nannies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, like five-day shoot, sure. crazy, no resources. Did you shoot like, at the reservoir? Uh, no, but at Echo Lake... Um, Echo Park, oh, Park cool. we did. Yeah. Oh, nice. And Ava Burkowski shot that. She's doing Insecure now on HBO. She's an amazing DP out of AFI. Um, wait, I'm getting sidetracked. Sure. Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. When I yeah. went and, and met that uh, for that program. Sorry, no, you were doing the laundry list though and I think it's really valuable oh, for people yeah. to hear. So you had a bunch of features, all these shorts. So my first two features really were all self wrote myself, you know, co-wrote my first, second feature was all mine. And uh, they both had theatrical releases. And, and where'd they premiere? Which um, uh, Brightest Star premiered at Austin. Oh, cool. And Dial of Prayer didn't, we didn't premiere it. We sold it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Before a festival run. Yeah. I mean, we did a screening at the Bentonville Film Festival. It was like the first um, year, which was nice. Um, but no, I didn't have a festival, which I have like mixed feelings about sure. in all honesty. Yeah. So those two, then the next movie I did was not, was like my first, and this was something I did by choice. I did a Marvista movie mm-hmm. where it was, I was a director for hire. It wasn't my, I didn't write it. And, and that was a genre movie. And that was my first, really in an attempt to say, look, I can also direct mm-hmm. something from someone else and work with an outside producer. And I do think that that helped me mm-hmm. sh- make a shift. And um, was that a thriller? or Thriller. Yeah. Was it for TV? Um, it was. It premiered at LA Film Festival, and then um, they sold it to Lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Marvista recipe. Right? Yeah. 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 Even yeah, though you know there were a lot of conversations, like IFC Midnight wanted it, sure. but like when it again, I mean it's tricky. Like I learned so much. You don't like who's paying for it and mm-hmm. who's making that decision. It's like the huge check came from Lifetime. Right. And people watch Lifetime like you would not believe. Yeah. I mean, I think more people saw Caught when it premiered than like both of my other movies combined, Mm -hmm. theatrical and all the SVOD. (laughs) Right. You know. Did you, but so when you made that movie, was it structured like a TV movie? No. 
Okay. No. So you got to shoot it on your own terms, basically. Yeah, and I love. Like, I'm really proud of that movie. I mean, it's a it it it's feels very much like me. I mean, American Beauty was like a big reference for Mm -hmm. me when I pitched to come onto it, and you know, there are things about it that it in some ways it has lifetime elements, but it also feels like a cool indie thriller. I think. Cool. Yeah. So, so you had those movies, you had all your shorts, and then you were saying, so you mentioned a little bit, you had DWW as a fellowship and then also Fox, it sounds like. Yeah, well. the Flo- Fox Global Directors Program, mm-hmm. which, again, is a diversity program focused on bringing more diverse directors into the Fox landscape. It was a great c- community building, had a lot of meetings, but still yeah. couldn't, like... Yeah, close on a TV job, and I think the point I'm trying to make is that all of this stuff is so highly competitive, right? Like, there's yeah. like hundreds of people applying to all of these different groups, and then you've shadowed on these shows, and then you still feel like, oh man, I have to interview to to get this show, to get like this Ryan Murphy show, right? But it and wasn't. So then, to, it, it wasn't, wasn't a even guarantee. a show. It was. Oh, it was, uh, it was another of, diversity another program. Di- oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do another diversity program. That maybe, maybe. I mean, the Ryan stuff. I felt like a real connection to, like especially uh, Scream mm-hmm. Queens, which ended up being my first show. Is like so in the wheelhouse of Caught, this right. thriller. Um, but. It was a new program, and it's this humongous sure. showrunner. I'm like, how is he going to give me uh, an episode? But to your question, like a year ago, the my shadowing job on la- in that program was American Horror Story, mm-hmm. and I shadowed Brad Beaker, who's like the producing director, one of Ryan's main go-to directors, and he was just so wonderful, and it was great to watch. And he, I think just from our conversations was like, oh, okay, like you're someone who's like ready to go. You got it, yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. And then he was hugely important as far as like supporting me to Ryan to get me that first episode. And then he was with me on set for that first episode. I mean, there was a tremendous amount of support in that environment. Awesome. And then from there, things started to happen more quickly. Then it got harder to book you on that show. <laughs> then, no. Then I thought no. exactly. Oh, I was like, "Oh, I booked a TV like, show. I'm ready." Yeah. Nothing. No. Wait, you had two, so you had Scream Queens. I was did. Your first a, show. Did Scream Queens. And was that scary? No, I loved loved it. Loved it. Fun cast. Great, like crazy show. Some like scare stuff, but nothing mm. like terrifying. Super lovely DP, like just felt very supported, really happy. But did you, like, were they treating you like a first time director or? A little bit. I mean, I, I think the hardest thing for me in the last two years has been that I, it's like when you're on the bench and you'd like put me in, put me Mm -hmm. in, put me in. And like, you just, you just want to get in there and like get through the first day or get through your first big prep meeting and have people be like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. Because, yeah, I do think they're, they were like, oh, it's the mentee. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you know. Right, right. But then also I think half of them didn't even know or pay attention, yeah. and it's like in your <laughs> right. own head. Sure. I was like, everyone knows it's my first episode. And half of them were like, yeah. what? Yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. But then I couldn't, then I was, I still couldn't book a second one because it was this like, uh, again, a waiting game of like, well, you know, mm-hmm. and then I did another show for Ryan. I did American Horror Story. And then after that, it changed. 
Got it. That's awesome. And so when you're doing Scream Queens, are you, like it's your first time being on set and you're working with these pretty well-known actors. Are you like directing them? Are you telling them what to do or how, like... How's yeah. that experience? Like, is there any nerves? I mean, I obviously work total with nerves. Yeah, people, but not people that had knew the characters better than you until here. Yeah, like now. I mean, I know some directors in TV do a lot less with the actors. I because that's the thing I'm like the most excited by. Um, I definitely direct them. I mean, I think there's always a a substitute teacher moment where everyone's like do you know what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And like, how, how are you going to talk to me and is it going to work? And I think you have to be really careful in how it goes. But I also think if you like direct right yeah, off the bat, they go, oh, yeah. she has a plan. Like she knows the story. She knows where I just was before this. She is thinking about things. Um, then they're, then I think they're into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, there's like a little bit of a hazing thing. I think. <laughs> That's funny. Have, have you met them before you're on set? Um, like, no, not really. I At mean, the table read or something, you see them. They don't do table reads in Ryan's stuff. I've had that, like I did a Netflix show recently and we did a table read, which was great. Cause and I like went mm-hmm. to dinner with a couple of them before. So it's nice if you can have a little bit of FaceTime ahead of time but you don't always get that or you'll meet them like you'll you'll walk through set during prep and mm-hmm. they'll introduce you to them but then like i right. feel like no one ever remembers yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey nice to meet you i'm yeah. on my They're way like, somewhere hey, good yeah. to see you again and they're yeah. like hi yeah <laughs> that's funny do you feel like you become friends with the actor like if you saw these actors like in a restaurant like a year later would you like go and say hey what's up remember me I directed you on this episode or is it- I think so I mean for me too because so many of these things have been my first in the last year and a half they're all I'm like oh, I love all of them but like Emma Roberts who's Scream Queens like I'm attached to a movie she's doing now mm-hmm. because you know we liked each other when we mm-hmm. worked together and we had like a good vibe and um and I'm you know some of the shows that I'm being brought back to this coming season, our, so much of it is connected to the fact that the actors went to the showrunner and said, oh, you know, we had a really good experience right. with Maggie. I liked right. the way she worked. Or Yeah, she so, directed us. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> she gets it. Yeah. Um, you know, along those same lines, I'm sure, sure there'll be times where someone's like, mm. and then like... Why is she directing me? Yeah. yeah. What, who does she think she is? Yeah. Um, well, so I, just to... Sorry, sorry, I keep interrupting Matt's yeah. great questions. Great questions. Here we go. Um, what, just to dive into the craft for a second, how do you prepare for the performances? Like, do you come to set and you already have ideas of how you're going to direct the actors or is it a little more intuitive than that? I think the thing that's so cool about television, which I'm learning more and more is versus your movie when you're thinking, oh, the scene will be like this and then I want this. And it's all, at least for me, I have it like so laid out in my head and, on a show, especially some of the showrunners I've worked with recently, like you'll have a tone call and the showrunner will give you all this like this like nuggets of information of like, at this point, you know, she's really coming into her own or she's still mad at Bill for the blah blah or you know, so you get you get sort of downloaded all this backstory stuff. And then I'll take that and put it into like a an active um I always try to direct with an action as opposed to an emotion or a result. 
So I'll remind myself like, oh, this is a scene where she should be really strong. So a phrase like put someone in their place. So I'll like write that on my script. And then somewhere in the middle of the scene, I'll be like, you know, really put him in his place. And sometimes someone will look at you and be like, what the fuck do you mean? (laughs) Or sometimes they'll be like, oh, I, I know. And then they do that, you know, so... I prepare like that, like I think about what the, what's happening in the scene, and then, uh, and then a lot of times if I don't, if I feel like I'm still not getting it, and they're stuck in something, like they have an idea that they want to play that they just won't leave, I'll be like, you know, I think we got that. Let's do one just like blah blah, just for yeah, fun, yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. And they think they're like done. Yeah, yeah. And really, you're like just like, getting started. Well, cool, one more. Yeah. Um, you know what I love about even the way that you're describing this is that it feels like you're you're not directing with air quotes. It's like very conversational. You're mm. kind of peppering things in a little bit, you know? Like, totally. it, do you feel like that's part of your tactic in general is just to kind of keep things feeling breezy rather than totally. dictatorial? Totally. Interesting. I think yeah. I'm like the most calm. Uh, I'm sure I don't seem like a calm person, but I'm calm, like at ease like, and calm yeah. on set more than anything. Like... I mean, I prep pretty heavily with the DP as best I can, but then I just try to like kind of let it go because you know you're like making a TV show. It's mm-hmm. high pressure, but it's also super fun. You've got it. Yeah. 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 Cool. And do you ever like? Do you ever just feel weird about stealing nuggets from the showrunner and just like saying them verbatim to the actors? No, because I think it's so your job as an episodic director to like deliver that vision you know, how they see things and, and, you know, bring your own, you know, special sauce to it. And in that tone call is an opportunity to kind of jump in with your own idea or expand on the idea. Like Roberto, who's the creator of the Riverdale and then uh, Sabrina, he's so, so detailed and he's so specific with like iconic references and imagery. And so he'll say it's like this and you'll be like, oh, and like that, and then he'll, mm-hmm. he's like, yes, and then... Yeah, like plus it, yeah. Yeah, cool. and then you're yeah. like in, then you know you're making the same show, and then I think for the showrunner, they can be like, oh, great. That person will be fine. Now I can like go back and break story on episode right. 29 yeah. or whatever. You, part of your job is just to let them feel at ease, like, oh, Maggie's got this. She's going to nail it. I can go do everything else that I need to do. Because yeah. Because I just literally like can't be on set all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just saw yesterday a showrunner I worked with and she my uh and I'd never met her in person it had all been over the phone and we had a 4 hour tone call. And before yeah. the, when my AD was scheduling it he was like mm, it's probably going to be 4 hours and I was like no fucking way. I was like 4 hours? Are you kidding? And then it ended up being four hours. And how long is the script that you're going over? Like 56 pages. I mean, it's I, I do mostly hours, but um, cable hours. Like it was it was actually really wonderful and love. Like it was super great and super mm-hmm. helpful. Um, so when I met her yesterday, I was like, just so you know, <laughs> hey, I thought that was really great. Four hours. High yeah. Is there a reason to not do them in person? Just. Um, she, so often these Thanks writer rooms are in LA and, oh, and okay. this show was in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's half a day. Yeah. Oh, tone call. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot just over conference and. Yeah. Yeah. Ever like video conference or anything like that? Or? Yeah. Video yeah. conference. Yeah. That's nice. At least you can like read body language a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
but sometimes that's the first time you're meeting the showrunner, you know? So, um, yeah, that back to your early question of like asking a question and being afraid that you'll be fired. Like I had mentioned something to the line producer, like early, early before I even had a sense of the show about using Atmos in a house. And she was like, not our show. And then on the call, when the person was on the thing, but when you like, say Atmos, you're talking about atmosphere? Atmosphere, Not yeah. the Dolby sound system. No, the, okay. the smoke in there. Oh, you cool. mean like, like yeah. haze, basically. Yeah. 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 But, you know, Atmos. Sure. Atmos. Yeah. No, I like, I like that. that yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No wonder you're working on Riverdale, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. a lot of Sure. Atmos. Yeah, yeah. But she said, Maggie was wondering about using Atmos. She, like, said, as soon as she said it, I was like, <gasps> you know, like, <laughs> like I'm like, oh, she's making me look bad. Um, and then it came, like, well, it's not really our show, but, like, let's hear what you have in mind. And I was like, no, 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 I just, you know. Yeah. But that, just so you pulled back on that? Yeah, but also it was one of those, it was a lesson for me of, like, I'm not even going to, I'm going to ask somebody first if it's, like, in in the world. Right. Um you can you can do that work in advance of these tone yeah. calls, so you're not you know if you're curious or you're on the bubble on something, you can kind yeah. of figure it out in advance and not look bad in front of the Especially if you smart. haven't, you know, it's like you just don't want to give them any indicator yeah. that like you don't get it, that yeah, you're yeah, not right. paying attention. Yeah. And she wasn't throwing me under the bus or anything. Either. Like she's an amazing line producer, but in the moment, I was like. Oh. <laughs> I, I think one thing because you've said it a couple times, you'll you'll say like not not our show. Yeah. And like. I I'm pretty uh, daft when it comes to like certain things like that, and like it's worth it to to just note like not our show. It sounds like oh you know kind of a casual little thing. That's like a hard no. That's all caps like no. This is a bad idea. Do not do it. Yeah, and, it means and creatively lo- that's a choice sure. that. Um, could that be awesome and right. cool, but like it's traditionally not something we've done on this. Right. But like you could totally pitch, like mm-hmm. I know you could say, I know it's not the show. Mm-hmm. I know we never go handheld, right. but you know, like uh, that impulse, that, that show that I did, I had an episode that was really unique. It was like unlike all the other ones and it was told from two different perspectives and I like went, I was like, yes, I love this stuff. And so I went really whole hog into like I held one character on the left side of frame and the other character on the right side of frame. And I went super, super POV with all of it. And one of the camera operators, like on the first or second day, he was like, what are we doing? You know? And he was like, <laughs> what? Something in the yeah. world of like, this is not our show. Or, like, this is not how we shoot. And if that had been like my second episode ever, I probably would have been like really uncomfortable. And I definitely had a moment of being like, oh, what am I doing? But then I was like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, this is just, I was like, it's going to be cool, you know? And then eventually, like, everybody sort of went with it. But, and have you seen that episode? Yeah. And I love it. It's like one of my favorite things I've done. Cool. Have you ever done something like that and it doesn't work? Sure. Like yeah, or, or really a shot choices. or some crazy shot that you like had to get and then you see it and you're like, oh, what was I thinking? I mean, that this was like an overall major aesthetic right. choice. And that show was a show where the showrunner was like, shoot it however you want it. Like we, they hired a lot of different people with different styles and they wanted people to just like make and it texture. their own. Yeah, which was, you know. Yeah, how cool, how special. Right? Yeah. That's really cool. Do you... Have you ever been in a situation where you want to make do like some crazy camera angle or camera move that's like borderline the show and the crew is like grumbling about like having to do it? Like, 
Do you ever find yourself at odds with the crew because you want to do something original and unique and labor yeah, intensive? Um, I mean, I, uh, I definitely am fast and, and move pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think when you aren't fast and things are really lagging that you could make any choice in those moments and people will be like, Oh my God, right, right. you know, but I, I try to earn the moments where it's like a thing and mm-hmm. then be really thoughtful with the idea about like when we're scheduling that and making sure we really have the space for it and not doing it all the time. Like if I could, I would do a special in every scene, but right. you can't, you know, you have to choose the scenes that you're just going to be like, you know, yeah. right. And do you have yeah. was yeah. standard coverage? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, cross shooting, <laughs> which yeah, people yeah. hate, yeah, which yeah. I hate yeah, doing sure. that. But. Do you? Oh, yeah, that's well, I, it, you're always like a little, you're, you're not eyelids. all the way in. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. light is never great, but I shoot improv all the time. So, like, oh, it's so different though. Yeah. 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 It, it is less Because well, then you can just be roll, right. you know, you can find so much stuff. Yeah. 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 It I looks just, less good. I'm not up for any Riverdale. And just remove the camera <laughs> operators and post. Easy. Yeah. All right, that's true. Um, is uh, do you usually have more shots on your shot list than you have time for in the day? Mm, yeah. Um, I don't even always shot list shot list. I'll just list whatever that special thing is. Or a lot of time in TV, I think it's important to know like what your ins and outs are. You know, like I, what your open opener is and remembering what you're coming out of. And I mean, I guess it's like that in movies too, but you have to like track it more in television. I'll have, I use scriptation, which is a great, um, Oh, I don't think I, what is scriptation? It's a unpaid endorsement. Oh, here we go. When you have hard copies of scripts, when they, especially on a show like Riverdale, where the, we were getting new pages a lot. And then I'd be like copying over my notes. Mm-hmm. So of the producing director on the Sabrina show has become a friend and he <clears throat> was like, you got to get the iPad pro and you got to get scriptation. So it's this great pro- PDF program, but what the best thing is that when you get a new draft, it imports it and then it transfers over all your notes. Oh, cool. Even Ooh. if like things kind of float page yeah. wise and stuff, that yeah. is awesome. It says like these things went away. Is that okay? And then, and that you can also pull, um, storyboards into and images and oh wow and then all my big shot lists which have a lot of that those images that I pull for prep Mm -hmm. like for a scene I'll have an image of what I want a shot to be or like a color reference or a mood reference or something so I'll look at that and know that that's what I want that's pretty exciting yeah Yeah, that's excellent yeah because I feel like especially when you get into beefier scripts, like as soon as pages start moving around, you're just like, what am I doing? It's yeah. labor intensive. And you don't want yeah. to, you're like, oh, there's only four changes. I want to keep my original script yeah. with my notes <laughs> on it. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, we usually ask people if you have like any advice for someone that just moved to LA that wants to be a filmmaker, um, anything you would have told a young Maggie? Yeah, I think community is so important. So whatever, uh, whatever you can do to like join film independent and go to the director's close up, which I went like every year and would just listen to all those directors talk about their movies and, um, you know, join a writer's group or join, you know, or look for people that, you know, who are in town who I feel like so many people are getting together and, you know, holding each other accountable. I think LA 
coming from New York, I found LA like incredibly isolating and you're in your car so much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, and then just like c- to continue to, um, you know, it's like what you were saying earlier, it's like, write the thing, you know, or think about what's the thing you, you, the story you really want to tell right now where you are. I think that's like the most authentic place you can come from and to like shoot it. You know, I have a great mentor, Brian Udovich, who's a producer who was a teacher at AFI. And I was like hemming and hawing about my first feature and how to make it come together. And I was having that, that thing they call the water tour where you go and have all these generals. And I was like, well, I'm having all these generals. He was like, generals don't mean anything. He said, pick up a camera, take that little bit of money that is still left for your movie and like, just go shoot it. Like tell yourself you're going to be shooting at this point in next year or whatever. And it was the best advice because I think you can have a false sense of, oh, I'm in LA and I'm going to meetings. I must be successful. Sure, sure. I'm working. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, there's those three ingredients, like you need the connections, right? And you need the material to show those connections. Yeah. And then you just need the right timing or some people would call it luck, I guess. But the more times you do it, the luck like comes right. at some point. And that the timing, yeah. like the universe has, it does have a plan for the timing. Like I, I believe me complained for many years about not getting, uh, an episode of television, mm-hmm. you know, and like shadowed on this show and shadowed on that show. And I'd be like, you all suck. <laughs> but I will say that by the time when I got to that episode of Scream Queens, I was so ready and I was ready in such a different way. And it was like the right show showrunner and the right show. And, you know, the things that I had gotten close on when I look back, like, I don't know if tonally like they mm-hmm. were the right thing for me to like come out of the gate with. So sometimes that part too is like the lesson of it that it's not going to happen like instantly. Right. And persistence seems yes. pretty important. Yes. Someone once told me I was quietly relentless. <laughs> hey. And I was yeah, like, I think that's, go. I think that's right. Yeah. That is a compliment. That, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, well, awesome. Well, so usually at the end of each episode we do little section called Unpaid Endorsements. Oh, boy. Unpaid Endorsements. Uh, our friend Tony Ascenda, who's been on the podcast a few times, first time he was on to talk about a music video he directed for Lil Dicky, and the second time he had created this show called American Vandal for Netflix, which won a Peabody Award. Congrats. Um, wow. But I just happened, accidentally saw like a music video of his that he just put out like two weeks ago on YouTube, and it has... Last time I checked, it had over 200 million views. Oh, my gosh. It's another Lil Dicky yeah. video. <clears throat> and it's got, um, it's called Freaky Friday, I think. And it's got all these famous musicians in it. And it's, like, hilarious and <clears throat> a great song. And <clears throat> just funny and surprising and colorful. And all the musicians are kind of playing different people because it's like a Freaky Friday parody. Oh, I just so, watched Freaky Friday. Yeah, so it's... Um, this is it's, a little different. <laughs> uh, and it's it's edgy and uh, that too. So I don't know, check it out. Freak, Lil Dicky, Freaky Friday from Tony um, who directed it somehow between seasons of American Vandal or after, I don't know. That's He's great. He's become very busy, but there's something nice about momentum and like a kind of sing... 
people that are making a lot of great TV shows thing than the other stuff that they're making too. Yeah, yeah. Also yeah, because you definitely inspired. start to feel like, oh my god, I could just do this. Like I could be just right. delivering a showrunner's story for forever, you know, forever. Yeah. And like, where did my like who? Where am I right. in here? Yeah. Especially when you're working on like some of the coolest, most stylish shows, right? Like that's got to be pretty satisfying. So just on satisfying. Its own. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. With that story, like um, not jumper. What's it called? Impulse. Impulse. Impulse story, like when you really get to define your episode visually. Yeah. yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, I would promo that Impulse. I think it's yeah. coming out pretty soon on YouTube Red. Oh. I, I oh, think cool. that that will be a very, very uh, strong, cool. The, the, there's a trailer out up on YouTube or somewhere. Probably I can tweet it out on my Twitter. Okay. And, and we'll put it on the show notes as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And you said um, Doug Lyman is an EP on it? Yeah, so it's his production company, Hypnotic. Um, yeah, it's. I'm, I think it's going to be really Jumper? cool. Did he direct Jumper? Yes. Okay, cool. And he directed the pilot. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and it's a. It's just a cool bunch of directors too. I feel like it, they got a good group of people. So I'd say look for that. Awesome, cool. And Thanks. scriptation. Yeah, impulse and scriptation. Those are hey, two man. Nice one no, word recommendations. Um, well, my uh-huh. recommendation is uh, a New York Times article uh, called Patagonia v Trump. And it's about um, the clothing brand, Patagonia, um, and how they've had this, like, huge history of being, like, intensely political, like, from the get-go, from their foundation, basically, and how um, they're suing the president. (laughs) For for, For ruining, like, natural or, like, closing down parks There's two specific parks in Utah that he has slashed um, by, like, 85%, basically to... um, free up like land to mine basically like it's all stripping natural resources and their case basically boils down to like the president has the power to create national monuments but not to take them away that's only a congressional thing and so like they're suing him for real and it's like an excuse for a deep dive on that kind of interesting and quirky company um, and it's a great uh, article I recommend reading so that'll be on the show notes New York Times article yeah it's a good one yeah cool thanks well, if you want to find out more about Maggie Kylie, we you can go to MaggieKylie.com. Yeah. And you're on Twitter at Maggie, Maggie at, Kylie? Um, at Kylie Gal. Kylie Gal. Yep. Cool. Um, and Instagram, Maggie Kylie Director. Ooh. Very original handles, you guys. No, no. No, that's straightforward. I like it. Um, well, we look forward to seeing all of your adventures on all of your awesome shows. Thank you. Especially, especially that Sabrina stuff. That's yeah, man. super cool. I'll, I'll send you an update after oh, I do, though. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, please do. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. Um, you can drop my name if you want. I will. I definitely <laughs> will. Even though it's not like related at all to that production, I will. I'll be like, by the way, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Heads up. <laughs> cool. Well, you can learn uh, more about the show and follow all of our other episodes at Just Shoot It Pod on Twitter, JustShootItPod.com. All the stuff. You guys get the deal. Instagram. You can email us questions and comments at JustShootItPod at gmail.com. Please leave us an iTunes review. Check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. You can find out more about me at Smitey Pileg. And yeah, that's your Twitter <laughs> handle. Well, and, <laughs> but I guess I never tweet, so yeah, I don't know that it, you can't you really find out. And you can follow me at Mr. Matt Low. Our music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. This episode was edited by Christopher Robert Gray, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And this episode was produced by Madeline Rosewatt. And our question for this week is, where do you like to take your meetings? Where do you like to meet? 
I obviously love the Starbucks Reserve. Everybody knows that. I literally got a text during this podcast asking from a friend asking me if I was there right now. <laughs> wow. And I said no. Um, you can answer the Starbucks Reserve or somewhere much better. Um, I can't <laughs> wait to find out. Uh, so drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter and we'll start that conversation. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.